All right, good morning to you all. It's great that you can be here this morning. And uh, if you're a visitor to Cornerstone, we welcome you. And we invite you to just open your heart and uh, let Jesus minister to you because he's here and he wants to speak into our hearts and into our lives. Um, Neil's away today and so he's asked me to, uh, to speak this morning. Um, and continuing on in the theme of that we've been looking at of the Holy Spirit. Um, and so I want to be able to do that. Um, I'm going to talk this morning about what it means to be empowered by the Spirit. But I, I want to begin by saying, um, and some of you as parents might have had this experience. Um, I grew up in a family of four boys. Uh, I'm number three in the crew. And my two older brothers, well, they were just perfect. My oldest brother, he was really smart. He went to uni, got a teaching degree, you know, and life was fantastic. My second oldest brother, he was also smart. And he went to university and got a teaching degree. And he got this fantastic job as a teacher and then ended up as a principal, all these things. But I clearly remember I was kind of like the black sheep of the family. I was the one that my mum and dad used to say to me, why can't you be like your brothers? Some of you have said that, I'm sure, to your children. And yet, I didn't want to be like my brothers, because I was me. I was Stephen. And so, I wanted to be who I wanted to be. And of course, I was the rebellious child. I was a strong-willed child. So, all those things sort of fit. Um, but uh, one of the things that I discovered when I became a Christian at 17 was that I now had a big brother. And the Bible talks about the fact that we become the sons and daughters of God and that Jesus Christ becomes our brother. And I discovered that I actually had a big brother that I wanted to be like. I wanted to be like Jesus. I looked at him, I saw his life, and I wanted to be like Jesus. And so this morning what I want to do is in part look at the life of Jesus and how it was that in his life, And in his ministry, how he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we'll look at one particular aspect of that this morning. When we look at the life of Jesus, we see the fact that in his ministry and in his life, he was dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus declared that he could not do any of the things that he had done without, in his obedience to the Father, without the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in his life. So one of the questions I'd like to ask this morning to us all is, so if Jesus needed to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, don't we equally need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit? Because, you know, we, we are now his representatives. We are now his ambassadors. We are now the ones that carry the good news of Jesus Christ, both in our life as we live it out, I'm thinking about what Liz has just been talking about, you know, about the grace of God and the fact that we receive that, but also that we are equally his hands and feet as well, that we carry the ministry of Jesus and the church of Jesus Christ has that mantle. So in exactly the same way that Jesus was enabled by the the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, so equally that applies to us. Now, firstly, what I want to share about this morning is not around salvation. Thanks, ladies. It's not around salvation. Because the Bible clearly says, and Jesus said, that we must be born again with the Spirit. Thank you. And you might have to just do it twice, because do it again. That's it. Jesus said this, I assure you that no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water, our natural birth, and the Spirit. Humans can produce only human life 
But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. And so there's that aspect of us coming into the kingdom of God. Now, Neil's been speaking about that in the last series that we were doing, looking at the kingdom of God coming into our hearts and into our lives. So it's from this point on that we have a relationship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that comes about through what it is that Jesus did when he died on the cross. He paid for our sin. And now we are in the place where we can have a relationship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And it's on that basis that we come into that relationship. It's because we must be born again of the Spirit. So it's not about how good you are. It's not about whether you go to church or not. It's not about any good work that you might think that you've done. There isn't anything. Think about grace. There isn't anything that we can do to contribute to this happening because God has done it all because he's the only one that can do it. So we must be born again. And so we can be in the place, as I shared last week around communion, I know because I know because I know because I'm saved. I know in my Noah that that's happened. And this morning, if you're here and you don't know that that's happened, then you can. I want to say that. Jesus Christ can come into your heart and into your life and you can be saved. You can have eternal life and you can know him. And uh, after the service, if you wanted to talk to me about that, I'd love to do that and talk with you about that. All right. What I want to speak to this morning is the fact that we, Jesus was empowered by the Spirit and that we need to be. And in particular, what I want to do is talk about a particular aspect. Thank you. Uh, I want to talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And uh, what I want to do is I want to look at the life of Jesus around this and then move into looking at how this works out in our life. And so I want to begin by, thank you, and again. You just have to click twice with each of them, I think. Okay, I'll let somebody else... Thanks, Matt. So, uh, uh, we got it. The technology, it either helps us or it doesn't. Isn't it right? It's always the same. Even when you get an IT, a room full of IT gurus, you know, it still happens. All right. So looking here, this is speaking about... This is John the Baptist speaking about Jesus. One day when the crowds were being baptised, Jesus himself was baptised. And as he was praying, that's John... The heavens were open, and the Holy Spirit in a bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. Now we read, then going to John, we read the fact that John said this, and that's the next one, thanks. But when God sent me to be to baptize with water, he told me, The one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest on is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And this is John saying this, and I saw this happen to Jesus. So I want you to think about this. Here is the father speaking, remember, saying, this is my son. Here is the father preparing the son for the ministry that he would now have here on earth. I think it's really important for us to also remember that when Jesus came, he stepped out of heaven and became a man, like a real man. So he he knew what it was to have to laugh. He knew what it was to have fun. Jesus did that. He knew what it was to have pain. He knew what it was to have suffering. He knew what it was to have people speak against him. He knew what it was to know the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He knew what it was 
to want to fulfill all of Scripture and be baptized in water and baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it's here at this event that Jesus does both of those things that the Scripture might be fulfilled about him. If we step forward then from that position to the the place where Jesus is now finishing his ministry and he's about to go to the cross and then go beyond the cross, die, be resurrected and then go to heaven. And, And we look at what it is that Jesus did in response to this situation here where John really spoke prophetically to Acts chapter 1 where we now have this verse here in Acts 1 in chapter 4. And it says, He, that's Jesus, commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people everywhere, telling people about me everywhere. So in the same way that Jesus was baptized in water, we need to be. And that comes as an act of obedience as a result of the salvation that we received. And in the same way as he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit descending on him in the form of a dove and empowering him for his ministry, we too need to be in the same place. And just like there was a physical evidence for Jesus, the the anointing of the dove and the voice of God, there's also an evidence that comes as we are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so we go to Acts 2 now where we see this is what Jesus said in Acts 1. Now we go to Acts 2 to see what actually happened when Jesus said, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we have this verse in Acts 2. And this is the day of Pentecost, which we celebrate as the church. And I just wanted to, it's actually not Acts 2, 1 to 4. It's just the last part, actually. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Ghost and began speaking in other tongues, languages, as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now, this is what John the Baptist had prophesied about, that Jesus would do. And Jesus told his disciples, the disciples, to go. And remember, it wasn't just the well, 11 at that stage, but it wasn't just the disciples, but there was 120 as well that they would go and that they would wait in Jerusalem. And they were in a prayer meeting. Karina would have been right in her element there. Good on you, Karina. She would have loved it. There's this prayer meeting. The, the disciples and 120, and they're all going for it. And suddenly the Holy Spirit turns up in a new way, in a different way. And for the first time, we see recorded in the Scripture, they were baptized in the, in the Holy Spirit and they spoke in other tongues. So two parts here to this in the outworking of Jesus' ministry in this way. One is, there was Holy Spirit power. Holy Spirit power. Now I know, for most people that I would talk to as Christians, if you start talking about the power of the Holy Spirit, they really start to get excited. They want to be in the place where I want to know about the power of the Holy Spirit. I want the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. And they engage with that statement. Yes, I want more of the Holy Spirit. Does anybody here want less of the Holy Spirit this morning? (laughs) We want more of the Holy Spirit, don't we? Why? Because we know that the power of the Holy Spirit empowers our life. You know, as as a young Christian, I I struggled in my Christian walk because of my my own background and my own, the place that I came from. I, I didn't grow up in church. I came off the street. I had no understanding about, you know, what's the Bible all about? Who's Jesus? This was just the Jesus that I'd fallen in love with and now I needed for him to change my life. That came to me through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. 
It's his enablement of taking the word of God and sowing it into my heart that I might be transformed and changed. Of sowing it into my mind that my mind might be renewed. So I didn't think about the filthy things that I used to think about, but now I was in a place where I would think about the things that God wants me to think about, that God commands me to think about, that God encourages me to think about, that God constantly wants us to be in a place of knowing and understanding. How does that come about? Through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. But more than that, the Holy Spirit enabled them to speak in a language. A language, in this case, that they didn't know. Because remember it says, when you read the rest of it, and for those that want to go and read it, I encourage you to. Because it says that they spoke in languages that they didn't understand, but others that were present did. That's a one-off. That was a one-off. It didn't happen that way again, and we're going to look at a couple of those. But though they spoke in a language they didn't know, it was a supernatural thing. It was something that the Holy Spirit enabled them to do that they could not do of themselves. And Jesus is the one that baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Because that's what John said. And Jesus agreed with that when he spoke to the disciples and said, Go and wait. Go and wait. And so we see the fact that they have a supernatural language that God has given to them. Now, it wasn't unique to Acts 2, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It was unique in the way that it happened, but it wasn't unique to Acts 2. Because we actually, if you read on in Acts, remembering Acts is the beginning of the church. So we read on in Acts. We read in Acts 8, Acts 9, Acts 10, and 19. There were four other occasions, four, Steve, four, four other occasions where the Holy Spirit came and, and came and baptized people in the Holy Spirit and they spoke in other tongues in another language. And I just quickly want to read two of those for you, just so we can have a look. Thank you. This is in Acts 10. Even as Peter was saying these things, so Peter's preaching, all right, the Holy Spirit fell on all who were listening to the message. Very inconvenient, you know, for the Holy Spirit to come while you're preaching. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit that had been poured out on the Gentiles... Two, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to them to their being baptised now that they've received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So just think about that one. So here we have this instance. Peter is speaking. There are other believers there with them already. And in the middle of his preaching, the Holy Spirit turns up and he takes over. And he baptizes these people in the Spirit and they begin to speak in other tongues in the middle of his sermon. And they are astonished. Because that's what it says. They were amazed that the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. Praise God that happened because guess what? We're Gentiles. (laughs) We're not Jews, we're Gentiles. But here was the first instance. Matter of fact, if you go and read on in Acts 11, Peter got into trouble around this event. And that was the first time they had a council meeting of the church in Jerusalem because they said, what are you doing and going preaching to the Gentiles? You're only supposed to be preaching to the Jews. And he says, what could I do but fight against what God had set up? And you can read the part around where Peter, remember, Peter was up on the roof and the, 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 um, the blanket came down, had all the things and it said, you know, rise and kill. Don't say what is unholy when God has made it holy. And that's exactly what God did there. He made that declaration. The other one then is in, also then is in Acts 19. 
And as soon as they heard this gospel, that's the good news, salvation, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's water baptism. So they were obedient to the word and were baptized in water. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, this is afterwards now, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. And so again, we see here, as we, these two things, we see the Holy Spirit come, we see power that comes to people, and then we see this, the speaking in other tongues that accompany that. So a couple of things around these two instances in particular. One, it was a direct action of the Holy Spirit. This is not a man thing, this is a God thing. Secondly, the expression was the same each time. The Holy Spirit came with power and there was evidence of that because they spoke in a language they were not able to speak in. But people recognised that it was the baptism in the Holy Spirit, that it was speaking in a language that the Holy Spirit enabled them to be able to do. It wasn't the same as Acts 2, the expression in language that they understood, but they recognised that it was of the Spirit of God. The people spoke in a language that the Spirit gave them. And so here they were, Peter preaching the gospel. The people believed whilst he was preaching. Because remember that, the whole, you have to be born again of the Spirit first. Salvation has to occur in your heart. Then you can, and the Holy Spirit comes as a result of that. Then comes the baptism in the Spirit. And then the last one is Paul preached, people believed and they were baptised. Now when I say this to you, um, I'm not a young pup anymore. I mean, I'm 57 this year. Goodness me. Some of you might think that, well, that I'm still young, but anyway. Um, but, you know, I, I, I walk with Jesus now for 40 years. Um, and I, I grew up in Pentecost. I'm a Pentecostal. That's my roots. And I have to say, but, but I've spent eight years in a church of Christ. Um, and that was a great thing. God beat so many things out of me in that church of Christ. It was just amazing because he really he needed to. Mate, was I arrogant. Um, but God dealt with me. It was a wonderful time. And in the midst of that, the church had a charismatic renewal. And I saw God do amazing things in people's hearts and in their lives, related around the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I would say this to you. I, I, my experience has been over the years, if you talk to people, you know, they say, the power of the Holy Spirit, yep, one of that, as I said. Tongue sing? Mm, not too sure about that. You know, and people, people could be in a place where they say, oh, I don't, I don't know, don't know. I, I'm all about the power, but I'm really not sure about that. You know, like, why on earth would God do that? Why does God want to do that? I mean, God, you know, like, Jesus, why do you want to do that? Why, why would you want people to speak in a language they don't understand? I mean, does that fit for you? You know, does that seem to make sense? See, but God's bigger than us, isn't he? He's smarter than us. And, and, and God knows what it is that he wants to do. And so, in actual fact, the Bible speaks very clearly about why it is that God has actually done that. And what it is that is the outcome, in actual fact, of that as well. Because you see, God just doesn't do stuff for no reason at all. Everything that he does is a part of his plan and is a part of his purpose. And so what I want to do now, just quickly, is I just want to cover off one aspect of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues and being able to speak in a heavenly language that you do not understand, which goes beyond our understanding and, and us having the ability to even be able to work it out 
but God uses it. Now, I want to ask you a question before I jump into that. Who here knows how to pray a perfect prayer? Oh, that's good. Nobody put their hand up. There's always one smart person who wants to put their hand up. Who knows how to pray the perfect prayer? Now, I'll ask you a different question. Who here wants to be able to pray the perfect will of God in every single circumstance and situation of your life? Put your hand up. The back row is not responding. I don't know. It's not, it's, I'm a bit worried about the back row. Don't we all want to be in the place where we would pray the perfect will of God in every situation and circumstance of your life? I mean, Liz has just told us this morning, she's worried because the house is not being sold. She wants to be six months out. That's all right, Liz, God's further out than that, so that's okay. He's the one who opens doors that no man can close. He's the one that closes doors that no man can open. I just feel that's a word of encouragement for you this morning. You know, I want in my life to be able to pray the perfect will of God in every situation. Now, does that mean I get it right every time? You only need to ask my wife. <laughs> I don't need to go to Google to find out, has Stephen made mistakes? And, and, and it just happens that my son's here as well, and you can ask him and he'll tell you the other side of the story. But, but you see, God wants for us to be able to pray the perfect will of God in every single situation. Now, you might say, are you you serious, Steve? (laughs) I mean, is that what it's all about? Well, where do we need to go to find that out? The Bible, of course. And so the Bible actually tells us that that's one of the things that tongues is actually about. It's about the Holy Spirit praying through us the perfect will of God. And so we look here to this next verse. Thank you, ladies. Doing a great job there this morning. This verse in Romans 8, 26 and 27. And it says this, And the Holy Spirit will help us in our distress. For we do not even know what we should pray for, nor how we should pray. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. That's tongues. And the Father who knows all hearts, that's us, every single one of us, knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. I guarantee every single one of you in your Christian walk has prayed a prayer, God, help me! That's the most theologically sound prayer you can ever pray. (laughs) Because that means God's got an open door. And he can come and work in your heart and in your life in that situation. But here, this verse is telling us, for the Holy Spirit helps us in our distress. We don't know what we should pray for or even how we should pray. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. That's English words. But it's not the words, but it is the words of the Holy Spirit. It's tongues. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. He knows. Because it's the Spirit of Christ. It's the Holy Spirit speaking through us and praying, pleading for us as believers in harmony with God's own will. God knew that there would be a day and that it would come really quickly 
where we would be in a place where we would need to pray for or about to something about something and then we would just run out of words we would be find ourselves in a place where it wasn't clear what it is that we want to pray but we don't know what to pray we want to pray but we don't know how to pray it's here that we can move into this dimension that the holy spirit gives us he enables us to be able to speak in this other language an unknown tongue it's a prayer language given by god it's effective in our lives and outworked in our lives through the Holy Spirit. You know, one of the things, I, I've had opportunity to travel a little bit, um, both through work and in ministry, and I can tell you, it doesn't matter what, what place in the world, no matter what the first language is, you will find people that are baptised in the Holy Spirit and pray in tongues. And you know, you know and you know, you know because the Holy Spirit witnesses to you that when they pray in the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit praying. That's the Holy Spirit. And it's the same spirit that is within your heart. And and you know, you know because you know. And more than that, please hear this, more than that. Because lots of people get caught up in the thing around, oh, it's just about this tongues thing. Oh, what's that all about? Ah, Chuck that out. I'll just have the power of the Holy Spirit. No, this is about praying in the will of God. Praying in the will of God. You know, so it's been my experience as I said, I've been a Christian for 40 years now. It's been my experience in my journey that the best thing I can often do is just to pray in the Spirit. Because you know what happens when I do that? I get out of the way. <laughs> when I pray, when I pray in English, I often find myself in the way. You know, I've got my own thoughts. I've got my own stuff that's running and I'm praying about things. But I know when I pray in the Spirit, it doesn't mean my mind becomes a vacant lot, all right? But when I pray in the Spirit, I know that I'm praying the will of God. And my spirit is, is agreeing with that. You know, it's kind of like, by the Spirit we say the Amen. Well, that's what my spirit, my, my, my spirit, is saying as the Holy Spirit prays through me in tongues. So Romans 8, to me, tells us a number of things. There will be times when we do not know what to pray. There will be times when we cannot pray in English because we are lost for words. Yet we pray, as we pray in the Spirit, we know that we are praying the right thing, the very will of God. There will be times when we don't know, we don't know why we need to pray. But there's an urgency that comes upon us. And I'm sure many of you have had that experience, you know. You might be out in the backyard mowing the lawn or you're just, you know, changing a pooey nappy or you're up doing the shopping. It doesn't matter what it is. And suddenly you will have this urge and you know it's the Holy Spirit causing you to want to pray. Am I the only one? No. It can be anywhere. I was doing some shopping. I was buying some goodies for lunch on the way home the other night. And as I was there, I had that sense. I don't know what it was about, but I responded to that. So I'm, I'm walking through Woolies, praying in the Spirit. And you can do that. And so we, we don't know why we need to pray, but there's an urgency to pray. The other thing, there will be times... And I believe many, 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 many times when you will be distressed and you don't know what to pray and you need to pray and pray in the Spirit because as we do, we will know we'll be praying the will of the Father. Now, when I want to just... I googled as well. You know... I've seen that T-shirt. I don't need Google. My wife knows it all. You know. 
I don't have one of those. <laughs> no, that's all right. I just wanted to make sure you're still with me. <laughs> I don't have the T-shirt. <laughs> Can I just ask you this question? What's the opposite to distress? Because that's where that verse starts. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our distress. What's the opposite? <laughs> Stephen's loud already. So, what's the opposite of distress? The opposite of distress is edification. Opposite of distress is edification. What does edification mean? Here's what Google says: <laughs> to instruct, especially to encourage in spiritual growth, to improve, and I'm going to add this: to have a yearning, to have. I acknowledgement about who Jesus is and his presence in your life and what that means. There's this verse in 1 Corinthians 14. Thank you. And it says this. He who speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. So when you're in distress and you pray in the spirit, you not only pray the perfect will of God, but you also edify yourself. You build yourself up. You encourage yourself in Jesus and who he is. I'll tell you what, I need that. I need that every day. Every day. You know, there's, there's a verse that we're all familiar with, um, and it's in Ephesians, and, and it's, Ephesians chapter 6, and it's 10 to 17, and it talks about the armour of God. And it begins by saying that, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And then it goes on and it talks about how we overcome the enemy. You know, there are principalities and powers that we need to overcome. And how do we do that? Because we put on the armour of God, you know, the breastplate of righteousness. And we get right through to the helmet of salvation and we get to the sword of the Spirit. And then we go full stop. But the very next verse actually says, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. That's the next one. Thanks. And this is a directive. This is not an optional extra. You know, it's kind of like not going in and ordering your subway and deciding you'll have cheese or not. Okay? This is, this is the real deal. Pray on all occasions. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. It's a directive. Now, Paul also, then we'll go to the next one. Oh, it's there. Paul also says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. This is the Apostle Paul. He's saying this. And he's encouraging us in this, to pray in the Spirit. So, of course, well, what's the obvious question that comes out of that? Does that mean I should never pray in English? It's an obvious question. No, thank you. Because it says in 1 Corinthians 14, if I pray in tongues, my spirit, it's the Holy Spirit, is praying. But I don't understand what I'm saying. We know that that's the case. Well then, what should I do? I will pray in the spirit and I will also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the spirit. And that was part of the encouragement this morning by Matt. And I will sing in words I understand. So we need to do both those things. Because there are things that we can pray about in English, but there are things that... We don't understand and we, don't, and, we, and we can pray in the Spirit. All right. We can do both. 
So just to finish quickly, um, so how does that pan out in people's lives? Well, I'll just share one, one quick story with you. Um, there was a young lady in the church and she, she grew up in the Salvation Army. She loved Jesus. She just glowed Jesus. And she said, oh, I want all that Jesus can give me. And we, we shared around the baptism of the Spirit and speaking in tongues. Yeah, I want that. And so she responded in a service and came and we prayed for her. And immediately I knew that, immediately I knew the Holy Spirit had done that. I, I saw that happen. I could see it. It was, it was here and, and yet she wouldn't speak. And I said to her, you know, it says you need to speak. And then the Holy Spirit speaks through you. He uses our physical being to speak. And she wouldn't do it. And so we prayed a little bit. No, no, not going to happen. No. So I, just, I said to her, I said, so this is not going to go any further, is it? And she said, no. I said, Okay. I said, well, I'll just pray with you and I just prayed that the Lord would encourage her and help her in it. And so she, she was in the church uh, for a long time. And I just kept going back and revisiting on an ongoing basis. How are you going? Anything happening? She said, oh, when I start to worship, I can feel it coming and I'll stop. <laughs> and I thought, my goodness. And this went on for six years. Anyway, we went to a national conference together and, uh, and they'd had a, an older call and I went out the front and was just, we were ministering for people and stuff. And I came back to my seat and she jumped up out of her seat and she said, I'm ready. And I went, what? <laughs> like, she said, just like that, she said, I'm ready. And I'm thinking, what? Because she was single and she really wanted a husband. What, for a husband? I don't know. I had no idea what it was. I didn't have a clue. And I said, ready for what? She said, I want to speak in tongues. And I said, oh, Okay. And mate, she was pumped. She was so pumped. I said, well, look, just sit down for a minute and we'll, we'll just pray. And I've got a couple of other people come over and pray. Well, we kind of almost didn't need to pray because she just let go and away she went and she began to pray. And then the tears came and she was just gloriously, just gloriously baptised in the Holy Spirit. Well, it just so happens yesterday I saw her um, and, uh, and so I said to her, I said, so, because I knew what I was going to be sharing this morning. So I said, how's it going? She said, oh, she said, Steve, it's great. She said, when I'm feeling flat, she said, oh, I can pray in the spirit. And I just sense God. I just sense Jesus touching me. And I said, is, is, that, is that happening on a regular basis? She said, no. She said, I've got a bit slack. But she said, it's good that I've seen you because you, you're, you're encouraging me again, just seeing you just about to enter into that. And so that's, that's the reality of where someone can be. A contrast to that was... Um, some of you might be aware, I, I, I'm in, I go and do desert, what I call a desert trip, which is go down into a thousand kilometres into the desert in Western Australia from Alice Springs and minister in Indigenous communities. And we were there and I, and I preached on the night and presented the gospel and this young lady, young Indigenous lady, she responded. And she came forward and she said, I want to give my life to Jesus. And so we prayed for her and did that. And then as she turned, I immediately felt the Holy Spirit say to me, pray for her for the baptism of the Spirit. So I, I, I called her back and I said, I said, would you like to have a language that God can give you so that you can pray direct to Jesus? And she said, oh, yeah. So I just laid hands on her, like the Bible says. Just laid hands on her, prayed for her, and immediately just, she just took off and began to pray in the Spirit, gloriously filled. It was just wonderful. It really was. It was a great thing. And she left that meeting glowing because she'd found salvation, but more than that, she now had this language that she could pray for. I want to say this to some of you. 
All right? Many of you have been in the church for a long time. You've been a Christian for a long time. And you may not have had this experience in your life. I, I want to say, respectfully, I want to say, you know, we can be in the place where what we don't, what we don't know, we're not necessarily going to worry about. Like, you know, we want the power, but don't worry about the rest of it. It's kind of like, you know, you get a new piece of software and you know that it's got all these wonderful options, but you're so used to the old package of software, you just stay where you're safe and you don't venture out into the new things. But then somebody comes along at some stage because you're getting really frustrated and they say to you, oh, by the way, if you just do this and click here and do that and it all changes and you go, oh, isn't that great? Well, this morning, I just want to suggest that maybe you might be in the place where you haven't had this experience in your life and you've been a Christian a long time. But I want to say to you, there is another part. You know the power of the Holy Spirit, but at the same time, you can know the baptism of the Holy Spirit and this language that God wants to give us. And it's not weird. It's great. It's God at work in us. And so this morning, if you're in the place where you'd like prayer about that, then I'm going to invite us. I'm going to provide that opportunity. and I'm going to join my faith with you, and we're going to pray. And I know, see in Luke, Jesus said, If you ask for the Holy Spirit, God, who's good, remember? Because he said, if a child asks a father for a piece of bread, he doesn't give him a stone. If he asks for a fish, he doesn't give him a scorpion. And he goes on and he says, for those that ask for the Holy Spirit, the Father will surely give him to them. And so I just want to encourage you this morning to say, you can be in the place where you can know this if you don't. So can I ask the musicians to come? I want to just finish where I started. For me, this is about being like Jesus. It's about being, as the Bible says, and it's in 2 Corinthians 3 and 18, and it says, And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. That's a work of God. That's a work of the Holy Spirit. And for me, this is a part of that. That's been my experience in my life. And for many of you here, I know you are baptised in the Spirit already. And, and so I trust that this message has been an encouragement to you for those of you that are in that place.